0: let's talk about faith. Faith, yes, changes everything. And, and um, something I just thought we should probably talk about is what is it? Sometimes when we use a word like that it's like what does that mean? <laughs> what is faith? Um, and so my friend James Gerber, um, he came up with this really cool thing. I don't know if he invented it or maybe he found it from somewhere but it, I think it'll help us understand a little bit what faith is and it's going to be up on the screen behind me. Faith is three things it's hearing what God says believing that it's true and putting it into action so it's like a three-step process right of faith and that changes everything hearing what God says there we go let's keep my screen up in front of me I don't know what happened right there hearing what God says believing it's true and putting it into action And we're going to see that, we're going to look a little deeper at this miracle that Jesus did walking on the water. And we're going to see that three-step process uh, unfold, right? And we're going to see it played out. Um, We're going to read through, we're going to make a few observations. And I am positive that you are going to find yourself in this story. You know how you, watch, you hear a story, you watch a movie or something, and you're like, oh, that's me. I'm that character, right? And that's what happens when we look at a story from the Bible. It's not meant to just be, oh, that's a nice story and move on. But it's, it's meant to show us who we are and who Jesus is. And so, so today, as we're going through the story, you're going to see yourself. And I believe that Jesus is going to speak to us once again, like he did with the disciples through this miracle. Can we just stop and let's just pray that. Lord Jesus, as we dive deeper into your word, would you show us who you are? And Lord, would you help us to find ourselves? You said your word is living and active. Lord, it's not just a story or an old book. It is alive and it, it affects us and it changes us as we hear it. So would you do that today in us? Show us who we are and who you are in this story. Amen? Amen. So this story uh, is told, there were four disciples that wrote the Gospels. The Gospels are the story of Jesus, right? And there were four of them that wrote it, but three of them tell this story. So I don't know what happened to the other guy. The other guy, Luke, maybe he wasn't there. um, Or maybe he blocked it out. You know, it's too scary. And he forgot it. I don't know. But anyway, he doesn't tell that. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and John tell us this story. And we're going to look at each of their accounts today, at pieces of it. Because they each capture a piece of the story. Do you ever tell a story and like your spouse or your friend is like, no, you're telling it wrong. (laughs) You forgot this, right? Anyone like that? Yes, right? Maybe my spouse is like super detail oriented. So while I'm trying to tell the big picture of the story, he is telling you like what everyone wore and what we had for breakfast (laughs) before we went. You know, he remembers what color the building was. And I'm like, it wasn't blue, but he was probably right. It was probably blue. He remembers all the details. I'm a big picture person. And sometimes I forget the details. I'll even forget who was there. And there's some stories like that in the Bible. And this account's like that. You'll see that some remembered who was there and some didn't. And uh, there's kind of some different accounts. But they all tell the main story. And that's that Jesus did a miracle. He walked on the water. So um, kind of imagine, if you will, that the three... Old dudes, we'll call them three old dudes, the disciples, Matthew, Mark, and John, that they're here with us today telling this story, okay? So, to set the scene, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. Laney talked to us about that last week, right? And that was just 5,000 men. There was women and children. So about fifteen to 20,000 people he fed with a lunch, right? So that had just happened. And there was tons left over Tons of food left over, right? They ate until they were stuffed, and there was tons left over, and it was the disciples' job to clean up all the leftovers, right? So they had to go round it all up and put it in baskets. I don't know where the baskets came from, but they rounded up all the leftovers, and uh, and so this is what happened. So we're going to start with Matthew. So Matthew, tell us what happened next immediately after this. Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Immediately, Jesus insisted, like he was intense about this, right? Jesus, who's normally like, oh, I love everyone. You know, he's normally pretty chill, but here he gets very intense. And this is Matthew's account. So Matthew's perspective was Jesus was really intense about us, like getting back on the boat and getting out of there. And I get the idea that maybe if you've ever eaten a big meal, you know that feeling that you just want to take a nap? (laughs) And and somebody is making you get up and go. You know, for me, it was my mom. Like the minute dinner was over, it probably wasn't that strict, but it felt like the second dinner was over, it was so full, I just wanted to lay down on the ground. And she was like, nope, we got to get up. We got to clean the dishes. We got to get everything put away, right? Oh, we were like, mom, come on. You know, can we just take a, a little time? Oh, five more minutes, right? And she was no. She insisted it be done right then. So we get up, our tummy's full, and kind of, you know, waddle around the kitchen and get the table cleared off and get it put away. I get that feeling from this disciple cleanup, right? They're like, oh, we're tired, we're full, we got to get up. Jesus is saying immediately, he's really insistent, and I've still got a full tummy, right? My head's kind of swimming in a food coma. But it was important, Jesus said immediately. Something had to be done. So they cleaned up the leftovers and they made their way to the boat. Now think about that for a minute. You're super full and you're getting on a boat. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe they were going to go chumming, I don't know. But anyway, so they, he sends them to the boat. And he sends everyone else home. That's what we know from this story. And then Mark chimes into Matthew's story. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I remember that too. He made us clean it up all immediately. We were headed to Bethsaida. And he sent the people home. And after he told them goodbye, he went up to the hills to pray. And late that night, the disciples, we were in the boat in the middle of the lake. And Jesus was all alone on the land. So Mark felt it was super important to butt into the story and tell about that. Tell how Jesus was all alone and they were all alone on the lake. Now, I think Mark is trying to say something here, right? (laughs) This isn't by accident because Mark brings his perspective to it. He says, Jesus left us alone out there and he was alone on the shore. He does not think this is a good travel plan, right? He's like, no, who planned this? Why did you send us? This doesn't make any sense. He's trying to figure out What was going on? He was maybe a little affected by that. Maybe a little scared to be out in the boat alone. Maybe a little scared that Jesus was alone on the shore. So, as they're telling their account, John pipes up. John says, yeah, that's exactly what we thought. We wondered why he sent us ahead. Remember, guys, we didn't actually leave right away on that boat. We stayed around on the shore. So here's John's. That evening, Jesus' disciples went back to the shore to wait for him. <laughs> He's like, Remember, we waited. And darkness fell, and Jesus still hadn't come back. And so we got in the boat and we crossed. You see yourself there. Jesus tells you to do something, and you're like, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know? I, know I'm supposed to, I know you want me to get in the boat. I know i are supposed to do this thing. But just maybe hang out a little bit. Oh, right? Oh, me. <laughs> Sometimes we wonder why he's telling us to do what it is. Sometimes we have an idea in our heart of something we're supposed to do. That's Jesus talking. But we're like, no, that's not. That's just me. Right? And so we decide to wait. Because we think maybe Jesus is done with us. Maybe that whole fishes and loaves thing where I didn't have enough faith and I didn't know what he was gonna do, maybe he's done with me, right? Maybe he's just, get out, get on the boat, get out of here. I'm done with you. I'm sure there were a lot of things running through their head. Have you ever felt that? Maybe Jesus is just done with me. I've disobeyed too much. And maybe he just wants me to get on the boat and get out of his hair, you know? Maybe he's got other people he wants to use, not me. Maybe he wants to heal someone else, not me. I'll, I'll just wait here, and then I'll get on the boat. So let's jump back into Mark's account. This is Jesus. He's on the shore alone. He sees that that they were in serious trouble. They're rowing hard and struggling against the waves. And it's 3 o'clock in the morning. So they've been out there a while from when it got dark until 3 a.m. They're struggling. And Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. I love that Mark includes that. How did he know? (laughs) But they see him walking. Mark thinks he's just walking right past us, right? But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking it was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. So Jesus sees him struggling. He decides he's gonna walk past him or walk out to them, one of the two. Just walk on by, right? Walk. Walk on by. Like he's gonna sneak past them. Oh, they're out there struggling. I'll just sneak right past. You know, but they see him and they don't recognize him. They don't just see him and like, oh, is that Jesus out there? No, they freak out. They assume it is a water ghost. Because apparently water ghosts were like a huge thing. It was a big problem in the Bible, right? It was like El Chupacabra or Bigfoot or like Loch Ness. They were like, there's a water ghost everywhere. It's got to be a water ghost. I don't know. <laughs> you know, But you get that idea. Why would they assume water ghosts? Why would they assume such a strange thing? Have you ever heard of a water ghost or like a ghost on water? I have never even heard of that. Like it's not in myth or legends anywhere I can find. But they assume this crazy thought and they freak out. So you got to think about what in the world was going on in their heads. But they saw Jesus and freaked out. And we know they'd been out on the water struggling for a while. Maybe they were in that frame of mind that we sometimes get in. Oh, one thing happens and then you're just waiting for the next thing to happen. And the other shoe to drop and things to go from bad to worse. And the hits just keep on coming. You ever felt like that? And in those moments, sometimes we're so afraid and we're so worn down from struggling that Jesus comes and we think, what are ghosts? Right? We think the opposite of Jesus. We think, oh, this isn't an opportunity for me to be like Jesus. This is some crazy, scary thing. And it freaks us out because it's like we're not ready, right? We're in the wrong frame of mind. We're not in a frame of mind of faith. We're in a fear frame of mind. And that's where they were at. They were exhausted. They had had enough. Even though they'd seen some miracles, they were afraid. And they they jumped right to water ghost. And maybe that seems kind of ludicrous water ghost, but we're going to bring it home to kind of see how we do that. We don't recognize Jesus. But even in those moments for us and for the disciples, Jesus feels us. He gets us. He gets what we feel. He understands what we're experiencing. And he speaks right to us. I'm going to take a drink of water and it's going to be clunky. There we go. Not too bad. So let's put some shoes on this or sweatshirt on this as (laughs) you'll hear. But how I, I was thought about, you know, Lord, as I started to prepare this message, I was like, Lord, first of all, tell me what to, sp- to say to the people, right? Because this can't just be a cool Trish idea. Um, tell me what you want to say. But then also give me an example, a personal example of what, what you want to communicate. And so, so he gave me a just a, a silly personal example. But hopefully you'll <laughs> identify. So two weeks ago. It was a Sunday morning, and I was getting dressed. And as I got dressed, I had to think through, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to go serve at the pantry, and then I'm going to go to youth group and lead youth group. And so those clothes that I was going to put on that morning, they were going to have to carry me through the whole day, right? And for some reason, I picked out a sweater, sweatshirt. It has yellow sleeves and a white Okay, now some of you already know where this is going. You're spillers and you identify with this right now. You know why I chose black today, right? I had the white front and I had to make it all day. So it was a risky choice, but I did it. And I made it through breakfast and I made it through my morning coffee and I made it through church. White, clean, right? Ready to go, unscathed. And then I went to serve at the pantry. And if you've served at the pantry, (laughs) you might know that sometimes schmutz gets on you, you know? You pick up something and you touch yourself and it had some schmutz. You don't even know what it is. It's just a hazy kind of strange substance that gets on (laughs) Reed's laughing because he's been covered with schmutz a few times. So there you are and there I was with this like black schmutz kind of all across my sweater. And so I had a couple hours between the pantry and youth group. And I, I didn't want to show up at youth group all schmutzy and looking stupid, right? So I thought, I'm going to go to Ross. I'm going to get a new shirt. Because I, I mean, those, those high schoolers and middle schoolers, they're cool. And, and I don't want them to look at me and how schmutzy I am and think I am really uncool, right? Um, so. Apparently, it's the shirt that fixes that. But anyway, so on the way to Ross Dress for Less, which is the best place to shop, I got a coffee and, and added to the damage. <laughs> Somehow, the straw kind of flipped, and I ended up with coffee like a diagonal stripe across the white. Now, on top of this, there was coffee diagonal. Oh, man. So now I had no choice. I had to find something else to wear. I couldn't do this. I wasn't going to show up looking a mess. You see, that sweatshirt became like an outward example of how I was feeling inside. COVID has been hard for pastors and youth pastors and you, (laughs) right? It's been hard. And not being able to connect with people, it's made me feel like maybe this wasn't for me. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I'm old. Why am I still youth pastoring, right? So I think all these things and doubt myself, my calling to fear, feel fearful. I'm not a fear person. If you you know me, I'm a faith person. I'm like, let's do it, right? I'm not afraid of anything. But all of a sudden, fear is in me, and I'm afraid to plan something. I'm afraid, how will it be? And can we mask, and how do we do this? And so that fear, I felt confused. I wasn't sure what the next step was. I figured there was probably somebody better than me. They could find someone better than In fact, I'll just let you in on a secret. I sat down with Pastor Isaac. I was like, you can have my salary. Find someone better. (laughs) I tried to convince him. He was not convinced. But I tried. I was feeling disconnected, fearful, unqualified, unconfident, insecure. The exact same way I felt about my shirt that day. Insecure. I'm going to look stupid. This isn't good enough. So I head into Ross and I'm looking through the, you know, racks, and there's just nothing. It's just ugly, you know, even more old lady stuff than what I normally wear, you know, it's just not going to work for a youth group, and I'm looking, looking through, and I hear a voice on my left. It says, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I turned my head, but I kept my body towards the rack. I was kind of hiding <laughs> behind the rack. I turned my head, and there's these two girls there. They looked probably like sixth, seventh, eighth graders. You know, they're like middle school age. And The one says, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. I just had to tell you, your sweatshirt is so cute. <laughs> and I thought, I haven't turned around yet. <laughs> she hasn't seen it. So I turn, and I'm like, this sweatshirt? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm a mess. Like, I spilled stuff all over me today. And I was actually just trying to find something else to wear. And she said, well, it's still really cute. I was like, okay. Wow, weird. Aha, uh-huh. it's Water Ghost. It's a water ghost, I thought. You see, my son was in the store with me, and he knew I was feeling insecure. And he's super nice, so he's just the type of guy to send me a water ghost, right? And so I, I march over, and I find him, and I say, Hey, did you pay two middle schoolers to come make me feel better about my shirt? And he's looking at me like I am crazy. And he's like, Mom, I, I would not pay strangers to talk to you. Could Jesus have sent two middle schoolers to tell me that my dirty sweatshirt was an asset? That my dirty sweatshirt was an asset. It connected me to them. What? That my dirty, screwed up life, my insecurity, my fear was an asset? That he could use to reach someone else what you see Jesus is not afraid to get dirty and he is not afraid to use dirty things he equips us exactly as we are dirty shirt and all dirty life is soiled and sinful that's who he chooses us So I wore that dirty shirt. <laughs> I wore it like a symbol of pride. And you know, as I walked in the door and, and middle schoolers and high schoolers started to arrive, some of them had dirty shirts. And I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> and we became friends <laughs> because we had something in common. We had a dirty shirt. And you know what? No one laughed at me or pointed it out or said, You're not cool. You have a dirty shirt. (laughs) I already knew I wasn't cool, so (laughs) I wouldn't have broken the mystique. But Jesus used that shirt to talk to me and to connect me to others. So let's jump back into Mark 6. Oh, I'm going to try it again. Get a little pasty. But Jesus spoke to them. They're freaking out. He spoke to them all at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And then he climbed into their boat. And the wind stopped and they were amazed. Because they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. There's so many things there. I mean, Jesus got into their boat. He told them to take courage. I'm here. It's not about you. It's about me, right? I'm in it with you, Trish. I'm in it with you. Would you hear that today? I wish I knew all your names. I'm in it with you, Barb. I'm in it with you, Eileen. I'm in it with you, Jim. At this point... The disciples had witnessed three miracles, right? Peter's boat gets filled up with fish. The water turned into wine at the wedding. The 15,000 to 20,000 people fed. They had seen some things, but they had never seen him walk on water. That was new. And we've seen some things too, right? That's why we're here. We have seen some things about Jesus. Jesus has done some things. Maybe we've been healed. Maybe we know someone who's been healed. Maybe we've heard like stories of people's needs being miraculously met. Or maybe that's happened to us. Maybe we've had our debts paid. We all have times where we're like, man, that had to be Jesus. That had to be God. Because it was crazy, right? It was a miracle. We've seen some things. He saved us. Maybe it's no matter what level of faith you're at. Maybe you're just starting or maybe you've been a long time walking with Jesus. He's done some things for us. Maybe it's just that he sent a friend or a family member to invite you here today. That's, you're like, that's the first thing. It's got to be Jesus. I don't know why else they would want me here, right? <laughs> to join their group. But we've experienced something and it's brought us to this point. We have a little bit of faith accumulated through experiences with Jesus, right? But we have not seen the way out of the situation that we're in right now. We don't know. So whatever, would you put that in the front of your mind? Whatever's the thing that you're facing, and maybe there's 10 of them, put them up there. You don't know the way out right now. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You're on a boat rowing in the middle of the morning, Confused, afraid, wondering if Jesus knows what's going on. Maybe you're freaking out. Do you know when we freak out? I mean, that's like an immediate sign that we're not trusting, we're not having faith, right? Freaking out is the opposite of faith, right? Maybe you're freaking out. That's a great sign to say, hey, whoa, where's Jesus, right? Looking for him. We'd like to think if we were on that boat in the middle of the night, we'd have been like, where's Jesus? Is he here yet? Right? Oh, there he is walking by. But they were not. They they couldn't see past the situation. They was too afraid. It was too intense. They weren't looking for him. Those are the moments when we can look for him. Because it's so about him. So about him. So... As we go along in our story, we're in Mark. I think we were in Mark last. And Mark uh, forgot that Peter stepped out on the water. He forgot all about that story, Reed. As he's telling this this account of Jesus' miracle, he forgets about Peter. But uh, Matthew remembers. So we'll jump back to Matthew. Then Peter called to him. So they're out scared. A ghost, a water ghost is walking by. Peter calls out, Lord, is it really you? Tell me to come to you on the walk. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus says. Like, can you almost hear the duh in Jesus' voice? You're like, come on, of course, that's why I'm here. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. And we heard, as Reed told us, he saw the strong wind and the waves and he's out there and he freaked out again. He got terrified and he started to sink. He wanted to do what Jesus was doing. He was, tell me to come out, right? I'm ready. Put me in, coach. He took courage. But then the situation, right? The thing, those 10 things we put in the front of our mind, that situation that we're facing came up. And we do this. Jesus, call me out. Wait. Freaking out about what's going on. You know, we do this kind of back and forth, faith, fear, juggle. I couldn't help think about what Randy said last week. That we get preoccupied with ourselves and our situation. And the line he said that stuck with me is the devil's like, main goal is to get you so focused on yourself that you take your eyes off Jesus. And you put them on yourself and your problems and not on Jesus. And then you know what happens next, right? We see Jesus, but we freak out. Water ghost. We don't recognize him. But, and Randy, Randy taught us this, when we're about to lose hope and we're, we're starting to be anxious, we can choose to shift our focus. And this is what Peter does here in the, sto- in the story. He starts to sink, ah, right, and he chooses to shift his focus to Jesus. We can choose. We can choose to do what Peter does. Peter never went under, right? Jesus wouldn't have let that happen. He just started to sink a little bit and chose to put his focus. Choose to shift back to Jesus, to not see just ourselves, but to see more than ourselves in the situation, to, like Randy said, reframe the situation in the light of Jesus. It's not a water ghost. Choose to see Jesus. Choose to see Jesus there. Be ready to see Jesus in your situation And when you see him, let's do like Peter did. Peter shouted, save me, Lord. He went right to faith. Save me. You got this. He didn't try to swim harder or get back to the boat. He recognized Jesus and he cried out. And Jesus reached out and grabbed him immediately, like a mom after dinner, right? (laughs) Grabbed him. And he said, you have so little faith. Can you just see Jesus kind of in the storm? Just kind of like, pfft, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? So where are you in the story? Here's a couple different places you might find yourself. Are you feeling alone? Can't see Jesus' plan? You think maybe he's given up on you? Because of your lack of faith, your bad choices, your situation looks bad. And you think, even if he walked by, you wouldn't recognize him. You just focused on this thing. And guys, we're facing big things. We're facing disease and we're facing broken relationships. And we're facing a world of fear right now. Fear is just prevalent in our world. People are scared. We're facing so many things. Oh, whatever it is in your life for you. I'm facing my own. We're so alone. We feel alone. We, we don't feel like we'd recognize him. Or maybe you're stepping out in faith like Peter. You're like, all right, I'm in this game. Right? Call me out. Here we go. You're trying to do what Jesus is doing. You're trying to get with him, right? You're trying to do some, some new things and step out. But having a really hard time not focusing on the situation around you. And you keep sinking. Anybody like that? You're like, I'm, just try- I'm trying. Here I come. Ah! You know? <laughs> Backpedal. Because it starts to go south, right? It gets scary. And we start to sink. Or maybe you're just in the boat. There were 12 guys that just didn't even try. They didn't even try to get out. They weren't even trying to do what Jesus did. They used to being in the boat. I just sit in the boat. I just show up. That's what I do. Not doing anything new. Not stepping out. No. Just staying in the boat. And maybe you're wondering, why don't I try to get out of the boat? Why don't I try to do what Peter did? Why don't I try to do what Jesus did? Why do I just sit here comfortably watching and not trying? And then you, you go home and you regret. Why? Why? Didn't I step out of the boat? I could have been my story. That egg float could have been me. Like I could have been the one who stepped out and did something great for Jesus. He could have used me. But I didn't. And maybe you're in that boat and you're watching someone else. They keep stepping out and they keep sinking. They keep failing. They try and fail. And you have to decide, do you trust in Jesus to pick them back up and to get in their boat? Maybe you're watching someone in your life that's just failing, sinking over and over again. And, and probably in the process, they've hurt you and offended you, taken advantage of you. And your temptation right at that point is to criticize. Psh, they'll probably never make it. Yeah, we've tried this before. We've tried this before. It didn't work. It's so hard for that cynicism, so easy for it to set in, and so hard to get rid of it. Maybe your temptation is to criticize rather than say, Go, Peter, you can do it. Then to support them, to pray for them, and to forgive them for what they did to you. To forgive them for failing themselves. So what happened next? Hopefully you're seeing yourself in one of those. Or maybe a new spot. Maybe the Holy Spirit is like, she didn't mention this. That's where you're at. That's okay. We'll let him put his finger on those things. Matthew 14, 32. When they climb back in the boat, Jesus is in there with them. Right? In in our situation with us. We climb back in the boat. The disciples worshipped him. They... They exclaimed, you really are the son of God. And that's what Jesus is asking us today. He's saying, have a little faith in me. All right, let me get in that boat with you. Believe what you've heard is true and take action. Maybe today's the first time and you're like, I'm hearing this, and I feel like I'm believing it. And it's time to take a step of, of faith, a step, an action step towards Jesus. Or maybe you're feeling him, and you're seeing him today climb into your situation. You're hearing me say he wants to get in your boat with your dirty sweatshirt, and use that and use you. And you're like, okay, I'm hearing it. I'm believing it. Maybe he's saying to you, take courage. I'm here. Why'd you ever doubt me? And I'll be there with you every time we go into that situation. I'll be in the boat with you. Don't doubt me. So let's take this moment and let's do what the disciples did. They worshiped him. They sang and they spoke of what was true about him. You really are the Son of God. And they spoke that. And as they believed it, the wind stopped and the waves stopped and the storm stopped. And Jesus was there with them. Let's take this moment to say what Peter said into whatever those things are in the front of your mind Lord, save me. I'm not going to focus on me and the problem. I'm going to focus on you. Lord, save me. Would you just say that, even quiet? Lord, save me. Lord, save me, Lord. Lord, save us. We want to see you in our boat, God. Lord, save me. And would you stand and let's let's worship him together with this song.